if you said to St. Pat's fans before the season started that after four games they were just slightly edging Shamrock Rovers by a point they would have snapped your hand off but after two defeats and four shaky performances the question marks are building around Tim Clancy's team this season the fella in the green and my short the fella in the green and my short keep the good man on the bench Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where the Republic of Ireland has a couple of new players who are eligible to play against Latvia and France. St. Pat's continued to show some more worrying form and a new All-Ireland Cup for the Women's League is on the cards. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined as always by Nathan Doyle. And Nathan, in St. Pat's, you said to me in the first two games, you described it as a snatch and grab performance, both of them. Well, there was no snatching or grabbing over the weekend, even though Sligo Rovers went down to 10 men for the majority of the game on Monday. Are you worried yet? I'm nervous. I am nervous, Roy. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm never one, even though me and I were doing the shows long enough together, I'm never one for dumping out managers willy-nilly early on to the season. My fear would now be Pat's get past the uh the, the fourth round of games and the fourth round of fixtures and the league season is over for them uh pretty materially especially looking at how it lies at Derry City have started the season they've been excellent as you talked about challenging Shamrock Rovers I would have t- taken that all day <laughs> but the fact we're both fighting for that final <laughs> uh relegation of automatic promote uh also the relegation promotion and uh, nine place position that's uh that worrying itself you'd imagine that'll change for Shamrock Rovers but um yeah the Pats team now we actually nicely not to bring Pats up. Uh, fair play, you managed to do it in the first 10 seconds of the bloody show. If you're watching on YouTube, he's <laughs> plastered in St. Pat's gear, so it's very hard not to, Nathan. Yeah, like the Irish Andy Tate. Uh, just laughing stock now at this stage. Uh, yeah, look, we started off with the Friday. It was up right, five nails at Dundalk, the elf in the realm. As a United fan and a Pats fan, it's been a tough weekend. <laughs> Losing seven nails to Liverpool is tough. You don't want to lose to Liverpool. And as a Pats fan, there's... there's Obviously, don't want to lose to Shamrock Rovers. Dundalk will probably be second in that list for me, considering all the Stevie O'Donnell situation that went on. So, yeah, it's a tough one to take. Losing 5-0. I thought defensively, they were absolutely shook. Uh, in both games, Roy, in Dundalk. And, and you know what? For the whole season, too, which is something I think I talked about, I'm not too sure, but just quickly touch on it, which I don't understand this because he tends to go with it with a back five. And four out of five players being uh, Sam Cordes, Joe Redmond, uh, Tom Kowalski and Ander Breslin have all been there last season and all should be used to playing with each other. So on, the only new centre-half coming in is, is Noah Lewis and David Odomusi and goal who has just been really unlucky with injuries and stuff like that through his past career. So he's only nailing down that number one position now. So on paper, it seems to be a settled uh, back five and goalkeeper, but it's just been so nervy and so hairy to watch. And I'd, I'd put the likes of Joe Redmond in, in that category too uh, throughout the season. So while you look at it and look at 5 0 on paper, I think a lot of those goals against Dundalk were more so down to the Pats uh, doing rather than being completely broken down by a Dundalk point of view. Now, look, saying that, I will not take credit away. Dundalk were ruthlessly clinical going forward. Absolutely. They, they really, really were. It's a guy on the ring, one of the new signings, uh, Tullock, who was absolutely smashing. And I believe he was brilliant against uh, Shelbourne on Monday night again. So he could be really someone that I've just done a dog fan to look out for. But um, yeah, from a Pat's point of view, 
very, very worrying. While Chris Forrester did score a lovely goal against Sligo Rovers on Monday uh, to make a one-all at the time, even though they got beaten 2-1, he's been a non-factor, an absolute non-factor this season, someone that we've looked heavily to rely on this year. Static, just, you might as well be playing with 10 men, Roy, when he's out there. And that's crazy to say against Chris Forrester because he's always someone that will pull out that little bit of magic, not doing enough at all. Is it a case it's, though, Nathan, when you're looking at them, is it a case that there's something not quite clicking with them? As in, you think that they have the players, but something's not quite clicking and then you kind of start looking at management and coaching and stuff. Or is it that you look at the team and you say, well, these really aren't good enough players and, and this is really worrying? No, I, I'm also worried about the management side of things, right? Um it's so one-dimensional. It's well, look, you have the likes of Owen Doyle up there. He was a very, very capable, proven goal scorer and a proven um, central figure to pin the ball up to. It's constant, just going back to dinosaur football, which isn't a thing we've seen in recent years at Richmond Park. We've been lucky to see dynamic movement, quick, quick pass, and things like that. And it's all just easy to defend against, easy to play against, long balls up to the strikers. Get the balls out, out to the uh, winners, and it's going to be crosses after crosses. I'll actually I'll have to hunt some down. Though. I just I'll actually what what are we talking? I'll see if I get it up. I've seen a, co- a couple of stats on Twitter, and it was it made for some absolute grim reading in terms of how one dimensional it is from a Pat's point of view. Where it's you see like heat maps where it's literally ball in centre halves, long balls out to the winners, and. The cross and, and the end product from the past point of view, whether that be Andrew Breslin or Jake Mulraney, it's just been non-existent so far. It really has. So. But you see, there's nothing wrong with getting the ball into a centre-forward quickly or getting the ball out to the wings and whipping crosses in. It all depends how you do it, Nathan. If it is aimless and it's going up for centre-forwards to compete constantly and trying to get flick-ons, yeah, you're going to have to have two up front and you're going to have to make sure that they have some sort of harmony there that they can work off each other but that's that's really playing percentages if it's wing play and you're getting the ball out wide and you're whipping crosses in nothing I think like in, in all divisions now they're starting to look at crossing the ball as if it's the brand new thing and it, look this can get you goals as well because for a long time teams weren't crossing the ball but are you saying that they're going from back to front a little too quick is that generally it? It's a little too quick and it's a no-end product. Well, the same as you, I don't mind implementing your winners. That's probably actually something we've been quite critical of in the league as a whole, is not getting the ball out wide and allowing the winners to take people on and get across in. It's more, my complaint would be the end product itself. Like, we scored two, uh, three goals all season, two of them coming from, from corners uh, and one of them coming from just a superb 25-yard strike uh, from Chris Forrester. It's It's been substandard. It's been terrible to watch. Um they say you have to lose Owen Doyle up there and he's just not being utilised whatsoever. At his age, he's going to give you decent moving, Roy. We all know this, but lumping up to him, expecting him to, to be beating two centre-halves in foot races is just not going to happen at this stage of his career. Uh, crossing balls in that are just going from one side of the, uh, the box to the other that's not even making uh, the, the, the penalty spot or anything like that. It's just it's it's really, really strange to see from past point of view because... Even last year under Tim, that wasn't something that we've seen whatsoever. Constant change of formations. Doesn't seem to know his best starting eleven. which, again, there hasn't been a whole host of new recruits coming in from a past point of view. It seems to be a settled squad, but it's, that's the worrying side. It's the fact that there's, there's no harmony within the team. It's 
yeah, really, really worrying from a from And what about the game on Monday night? Because let's let's put we put the Dundalk down game down to you know one of those days where everything went yeah, wrong. Yeah, put Dundalk okay. side. Yeah. yeah, you have them days. Okay, maybe Pat's not performing well. Dundalk playing out their skin, and it's just one of those games. But when you go down to ten men, I think it was about twenty minutes. If you can yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. No, about that. Yeah, you expect same Pat's to then take advantage of that, and I kind of flicked over, had a little look, and I said, God, that. That, that's a great opportunity now for Pats. I actually, in my head, sorry, I went, these could go on and win that because as I said to you already, I watched Ligo a couple of times, wasn't overly impressed by them, but they're, they're seem to be getting results at the moment. When St. Pats went a man up, if you want to put it that way, did they change their style of play? Did they dominate at all? Not particularly. I obviously thought Sligo looked better. When he, when he went down to 10 men, it was uh, John Matten got straight red. Probably harsh. Probably was a harsh uh, red card. It was, um, I think it was Tommy Lonren that he pulled down. He was seen to be going 1v1 with the goalkeeper, but there was definitely cover coming in behind John Matten. So you couldn't have classed him as the last man. Yellow card, probably incident, but I thought it was hard to get sent off. Again, Roy, looking at the two Sligo Rovers goals, you have to be critical. I don't know if you've seen them, but you have to be critical on, on the same Pats defence. Um. A nice ball in behind really cost Sam Court a slip uh, napping. And it was a decent finish by Reese Hutchison, who was really impressive. Um did one of the new Sligo Rovers sign that left back. He looks like a really good footballer from many of the games that I've seen. And then uh, a quick free kick, right? Just do a two be setting up the wall. Nobody looking at the man taking the free quick kick. Gave a quick ball out there for Reese Hartman, cut in his left foot and buried at home. You can't argue with the finish, but you can't argue with the same pass defence sleeping. Uh, within the two goals, and again, really frustrating. I was the same. I was, I was at the game myself. Obviously, living ten minutes away, that's always the handiest uh, away game to get there. Um, but yeah, when you went down to ten men, you're looking at the at the Sligo squad getting beaten on Friday night against Drogheda, um, away from home. Friends, the Sligo they just they did a much better, well drilled team. I'd still question with Sligo, where's that little bit of creativity going to come from? They got the two goals on Friday. I would put it down to it to napping defences, but now they, they were definitely well deserved after winning towards the end because Pats did not capitalise on the ten man advantage. Okay, so what what needs to happen for it to turn around? It is only four games, so it is only four too, games. You can't get too panicky, but there there are little warning signals there. There definitely is, right? There's definitely warning signals there. I've already seen the the, the, the tension around. I think I don't agree with this now. I think Tim Clancy is on the ropes in terms of, of pressure. A couple of big games coming up, you know, with the uh, Dublin Derbies against Lloyds of Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers, they're going to be telling, um, even though they're with two good sides, Dublin Derbies are always difficult to come back from if the doors get beaten. Because it is a strange one, right? Because I think the squad is there. I think it's a very capable squad to be challenging for European football. Uh, I think he has to hone in on a formation. Uh, especially with the midfield, like we came, he came in with it with a, a flat midfield three against Sligo Rovers again. So we don't really see Tim implementing at all. So yeah, I think it's just just honing down on starting eleven, sticking with the formation. Obviously, going to chop and change uh, as, as the game commands it. But we are we're seeing four or five formation changes throughout a game, which really, really, really bizarre to be seeing for my path point of view. Yeah, go. that just that kind of shows that he's not sure on. On, yeah. on what he wants at the moment. And uh, yeah, it, that's another signal. Yeah, that, I'd be worried about that. Uh, you have a look at, we'll go quickly through, we won't talk about everyone, I don't think, but uh, we were discussing UCD and how in the first couple of games they looked really well and then they shift eight in two games. 
Yeah, yeah, I thought I'd probably been a Pats fan. I said a couple of UCD fans <laughs> <laughs> had a, had a tough night. I did. Yeah, getting beaten 4 0, Roy, uh, in Tornos Cross against Cork City on Friday night. And then at home, once again, a 4 0 defeat against Derry City. Um, Jordan McInef seems to be the man at the moment for, for, for Derry, doesn't he? Picking yeah. up a double uh, on the game on Monday night and going, that's four goals for him all season. Really seems to come to his own. Um, Seen him within the league with the likes of Shelbourne and last year at Derry, but hopefully this is full full season within the league. He, he can step up, but yeah, from a UCD point of view, it's it's already looking tough, isn't it? With you know we're seeing um the United dropping points uh, on Monday night, but they picked up a win on on Friday against Sligo. I said it once, and I will say it again, Roy. No matter who wins the league, who wins the cup, who does want Europe? If Andy Moyle keeps them up, manager of the year, yeah, no absolutely. question about it. Yeah, um, and that. Cork City one would have hurt more than the Derry City one. Yeah, did that a game was, just would be winning. Wouldn't would we? You'd look at them if, if you're you going to be getting up. something out of it. Yeah. Anyhow. yeah, you don't want them getting away from you. Um, let's put talk about Shamrock Rovers because it's bizarre. It's a bizarre start. It is only a start, and a lot of things can change. But we can see the way Derry City are going away about their business. Shamrock Rovers need to start getting a bit of consistency and shifting forward against Cork City. They just they look a little bit open or something at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming Roy, you watch more Shamrock Rovers than I have this season. Um, but yeah, uh, it, 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 bad defeat on on Friday against Derry City two one at home. Again, four games here. We're not going to be bringing the title up to the Brandywell just yet. But it is a big statement of a from Derry have got off to a brilliant start. Uh, but that four all game on Monday, did you watch it? Because it, it seemed like an absolute. Mental I got to see bits and pieces. I actually watched Bowes against Drogheda. That was the one that kind of caught me. I started first, so uh, the, the Rovers in Cork City was after it. So I kind of got into the Bowes and Drogheda one down to see what that was like. Uh, good game. Uh, enjoyed it. But and, and something came out of that game, by the way, Nathan, the Bowes and Drogheda. For the second week in a row, the goalkeeper of Bowes had the same top on as the referee. It was yellow this week and the week before that it was a blue one. Surely the referee needs to be changing his top in that situation. It happens to you. Joe, now only go to a party and some pricks wearing the same top. <laughs> one of us had to go home and change. What? Two uh, same pats in Sligo, is there? Yeah, there's two of us. Two doves in the town. <laughs> uh, yeah, but speaking of Talbot, I believe they make a bit of a howler. Uh, yeah, I've, seen, I've seen a couple of games of them this season now and he's he has flapped around a couple of things, and I think he 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 was here himself. He'd be honest and saying, "Yeah, God, I, I'm I'm probably a little bit rusty now after last year. I really need to get games under my belt because he is a good goalkeeper. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, yeah, a couple of couple of decisions that you normally wouldn't see him make, and and he, he's getting himself in trouble. So yeah, uh, listen, he's a, he's a good goalkeeper. I think he'll turn it around. It'll be forgotten about as halfway through the season. But at the moment. Uh, yeah, there'd be a little bit of a lack of confidence in, in him coming out at the moment because decision-making isn't quite great. But, uh, yeah, some really, really good football in that game and, and it was interesting to see that Bowes that I had talked about, we talked about Declan Devine at the start of the season and could he struggle? They actually played really, really good football. They knocked the ball around, knocked it from one side to the other. It very rarely lost possession, as in, it wasn't quick turnovers. They, when they got on the ball, they made Drogheda to work for their possession. So I, I've been impressed with Bohemian so far, I have to say. Not that I think they're going to go on and win the league or anything like that, or, you know, but I think at the moment there's, they're, they're settling down quicker than I thought they would have. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, especially bouncing back, I suppose, after such such a, a tough defeat for them to take on Friday night, losing to their North Dublin uh, rival Shells. Shells being yeah. a one nil on Friday again, bows down to ten men. So, uh, yeah, I could have seen them bounce back from a bows point of view. I suppose look before we move on from the Premier Division, right? Uh, just to run back to that uh, Shamrock Rovers and Cork City game. Uh, Cork City midfielder Aaron Bulger picking up. Uh, it seemed to be a nasty, nasty collision. So um, seems to be positive news from from a Cork point of view that you know he's conscious, he's stable. Um, the Cork pointing out a statement thanking the, the the medical staff and like Dan Cleary, I believe, was very quick to act in the moment. So. Yeah, as far as everyone here is, is wishing Aaron a very speedy recovery and hopefully he's, uh, whenever he's fit and ready, we'll see him back on the pitch uh, ASAP because never nice to see see this, these things happen. No, absolutely not. No, you, you don't want to see these things happen. They do happen though and that's that's kind of life when it comes to the uh, to football. Now, when you have a look at the first division, Nathan, predictable enough at the bottom you know Kerry are going to be down there but they got their first point of the weekend against Treaty who are also on a point with Finn Harps down there at the moment Nathan and they're struggling to get a little bit of momentum going but while you look at the other end and of course Waterford and there's a few bit of rumblings going on down between Waterford fans about just about how the team is picked and substitutions and etc that'll always be the way when you're not getting results but Galway Look as solid as a rock so far. Don't they? Yeah, brilliant win for them um, in the RC against Waterford. You imagine they'd be the two, well, everyone predicted them to be the two side challenger for the league title. And you'd imagine they'd be both there and thereabouts, but come the end of the season. But for instance, Galway, yeah, uh, beating them 1 0, three wins over three, top of the table. We question, probably not even question, but we, we said it was up to John Caulfield now. This seems to be his, um, his last stance here to get Galway into the Premier Division. But couldn't have asked for a better start, could he? Because this is a, a definitely a big statement win for Galway United uh, away to Waterford as they, uh, they, they look to push on. Yeah, as far as look, one and three as well. Any, some of the other games, as you mentioned, Kerry and Treaty getting broken at the fourth point and the current off the mark. He was uh, very important for Treaty last season, getting his first goal. Uh, Wexford United, Wexford United, you hear me? Wexford United, sorry. <laughs> Wexford picking up a 3 0 win against Atlone Town. Uh, again, Wexford's uh, fourth uh, points and the fourth win of the season with uh, Aaron Robinson Dublin and then Aaron Dobbs. He's uh, scoring the, the opening goal. Now, I have a bit of a bound to pick here, Roy. Yeah. With Longford Town. Not Longford United, Longford Town. <laughs> so, if you remember, Cash and Moyne back to last year, one of the, the fourth the fourth division game I watched last last year was between Longford Town and Bray Wanderers, and I moaned about that game for most of the podcast right, last yeah, year. Yeah, you did. It was the worst nil all 90 minutes I ever got. It happened again. I sat down on Saturday. To, I said, you know what? I'm going to start. I'm missing the highlight show that doesn't, it's not on LOI TV anymore. So I said, you know, what? I'm going to start sitting down and really start just get away from just watching Pats every week. And because, you know, we're doing shows like this, you want to yeah. have, have a decent broad view. So Saturday afternoon, sit down, watch Longford play Cove Ramblers. Christ, it was 90 minutes of my life. Again, that I never got back. Longford are going to owe me a, a depth of time. I'm going to be on my deathbed, swearing <laughs> Longford down, down because it's just... You might not be the only one, uh, Nathan. No, no, probably not. Uh, but in fairness, to Cove, it, it, it's a decent point for them. Away to uh, away to Longford, which can be a difficult place to go. And I I, I thought he would overachieve a little bit this season, Cove. And there seems to be a little bit about them. In fairness to you, you have a coach here in Shane Keegan that will keep the well drilled. 
not the, the squad of players itself on paper isn't good enough, you know, to be challenging for the league or maybe even getting into the playoffs. But again, I think bringing uh, Charlie Lyons back from Galway United, uh, former club captain in centre half, he was brilliant for them during his fourth spell at the club. Didn't really get a look in at Galway, which is surprised about, but you can already see he's making a big difference to Caulfield. Absolutely league goals for fun last season and mm. seems to be a bit more regimental at the back this year. Absolutely. Uh, okay, we'll leave it there. The, a double helping of Premier Division games and, of course, the First Division games are on Friday and we're really getting stuck into it now. The The crowds are up, even on the Monday night. The Monday night crowds are up on, pre, on previous Monday nights. So, brilliant to see and let's hope it, it keeps going that way. I mean, I think... At some of the games, they were breaking records for the for the Monday night. So uh, long may it continue. Now, the women's Premier Division or the women's league started over the weekend, but there's going to be a new All Ireland Cup, Nathan. Let us know about yeah. that. What's that all about? Yeah, yeah, interesting, uh, interesting prospect. Just before we do that, I'll just jump in some of the scores really, from the the women's Premier Division, if you don't mind. Uh, Shell's getting off the brilliant start of the season, beating Cork six uh, 0 as they go for the third title in a row. Uh, Atlone be, uh, were beaten 3 1 at home with a PMA United. Again, imagine them two sides be doing their bouts for the title. Uh, a, a newly fre- a fresh looking 3 United lost 1 0 at home to Bohemians. Uh, Wexford beating Galway uh, away from home 1 0. And Clash of the Rovers, uh, Sligo Rovers uh, beaten 2 1 at home to uh, Shamrock Rovers. Another game that you attended over the weekend. So, uh, Good at the time when the 90th minute Isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. Look at me time this, this weekend, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> Living the life. But yeah, look, we'll just jump into that All Ireland uh, women's competition. So that was being confirmed. Um, I think that's as of today, as of the recording, that uh, the League of Ireland and the Northern Ireland Football League have agreed to introduce an All Ireland Cup competition starting this summer, June uh, 2023. That's uh, that's when the season break is, right? They have a scheduled season break um, ahead of the 2023 Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. So the games will be played throughout that, uh, that uh, break. So just a quick little rundown on the format of the information that we've been given. It's going to include uh, 16 teams. That's 11 uh, for representing the League of Ireland and five representing the uh, Northern Ireland Football League. They'll be split into four groups of four with group games being played on June 18th, June the 25th and July the 2nd. Uh, if group winners from each of the four groups will then progress into a semi-final, which will take place on the 9th of July, and then the final will be played on July 16th. So just a quick little run-through of the clubs. Obviously, 11 League of Ireland sides, all all the 11 uh, yeah. sides within the, the Premier Division, Atlanta, Bowers, Cork, the LR Wave, Galway, uh, Piedmont United, uh, Sligo Rovers, Shelbourne, Shamrock Rovers, Treaty United and Wexford, and the five sides representing uh, the Northern Ireland Football League are Clintonville, Crusaders, Derry City, Glen Torvan and Linfield. Okay, interesting. And, and yeah. it, would we want to see something like this in the men's side of things? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's, and it's always something you're gonna gonna talk about because this was sort of bring up memories of uh, the Santa Sports Cup, the uh, rest in peace, not to be forgotten. It was it was always enjoyable cup at the time, but the deal sort of, it sort of died a death towards the end, didn't it? Obviously with yeah. Tant and stuff falling and just the the, the prize money was always notoriously horrific. Um, so you can understand sides probably not taking it um, as serious as not maybe as he should have, but the prize money was more as an as an incentive you would take it a bit more serious. I think that's probably where the issues come down if you're looking to deal with uh, from a main point of view. Obviously, as I said, keep going on about prize money, it's gonna to have to be much improved. But I think the fact that 
we both play, you know, the, the League of Ireland is a summer league and then the Northern Ireland Premiership is a winter league. It will be really difficult to work out schedule and things like that because we're both flooded with fixtures as it is. Yeah, I yeah. think if you were to get everybody to sit down, which is going to be the impossible task, as we're saying, with the prospect of an All-Ireland League, so to get an All-Ireland Cup off the ground, it'd be difficult to get everybody on and to agree to a schedule that suits everybody. I think if you were to do it, you could look at maybe replacing the, the eSports Cup, you know, to take one cup out and, and make that in. But I can see it being really difficult uh, from, from a man's point of view, hard to get off the ground, uh, with, with the women all being more of a summer league, both in the north and the south. It's easier yeah. for them to, to work that out. But yeah, I think it'd be difficult from a man's point of view. Would I like to see it? Yeah, absolutely, because I always enjoy the Stand Sports Cup. But again, it's... It's hard until we mentioned the All Ireland League. It just say it's All Ireland anything. Yeah, it just seems yeah. to be a lot of moving factors that need to be settled, doesn't it? Yeah. Now I'd like to say I think it'd be a great thing to have, and yes, it would have to leagues will probably have to line up before it's going to happen. So whether the League of Ireland goes back to winter or the the, the Irish Premier League or up the north goes to summer football. That's probably what's going to have to happen, and I can't see League of Ireland going back to winter football, so it would have to move the other way, I think. But yeah, it would yeah. be definitely something that'd be interesting, and it would get people's attention. I think it really would. I think it'd be a, a very interesting league. Again, yeah. I, I don't. I know they have their big. They have their cup, and we have our cup. But uh, I think this possibly, if this took off, you could have a better cup than the FAI Cup. To tell you the truth, because I, I actually think that the main cup for for Ireland should be something like this where a little bit like the FA Cup where you can go all the non-league teams play all the way up and then they get a chance to come in and then the Irish League and the League of Ireland t- teams you can meet any of them then and then I, th- I think that would be brilliant I think that would be great to have like like a, a, an All-Ireland FA Cup I suppose in a way but can't see it happening for a while. I mean, you have to have this. You have to have the the, the cup on a smaller scale before it goes on a bigger scale, possibly. So uh, there's a lot of hurdles before that sort of happens. But uh, yeah, it'd be great to see, and it's great to see that it, it's happening in the women's game. It might inspire. Yeah. It might inspire. Hopefully, it'll inspire. But uh, yeah, look, you can catch all those games. They'll be shown live on LOA TV. I will have further information on the draw and venues and stuff like that. They'll be in due course. So I suppose when we hear anything. We've been up and talk about it again, won't we? Absolutely. Now, there is a couple of Republic of Ireland games coming up. One friendly, one qualifier. And we have two players who have declared for Ireland, but they had to get through, jump through a few hoops before they got there. Who are they, Nathan? Yeah, so it's been confirmed uh, by the FEI that the, the first one is Mikey Johnson. If you might remember, he's the uh, 23-year-old winner who currently plays for Celtic. He's on loan at the moment, uh, Vittorio de uh, Guimarães, over in the top flight of the Portuguese league. So, yes, it's been received, everybody the FEI that's received uh, international clearance from FIFA to make his switch from Scotland to Ireland. Uh, this comes to things in somewhere that Mikey Johnson's granddad uh, was born in Derry, making him eligible for the Ireland team. And as you said, we have upcoming games uh, friendly against Lafayette at home and then an all-important Euro 2024 qualifier at home to France kicking us off uh, that campaign and um, he'll be eligible for those games but so will Sammy Smuddox uh, 27-year-old attacking midfielder playing for Blackburn had a couple of I think it was passport issues Roy 
that that was holding him back from from making his uh making his his, his own debut. But again, Sammy is as eligible as Mikey is for uh, for the upcoming squad. So we're expecting them squad announcements to happen soon. I suppose look, you have someone like Sammy Smullocks who's an attacking midfielder. But I think more so just for a second to start off, we look at Mikey Johnson. Uh, a real out-and-out winner, seeing him uh, making the Celtic Pro debut back in May 2016. Has uh, 80 appearances in all competitions, 11 goals, 51 of them appearances in the SPL, 7 of those goals in the SPL. Are you happy to see someone like Mike coming in? Um, would he be an improvement, I suppose, put it the question, but the better question to ask to what we had in our previous squads. From what I've seen him, all the talent in the world, really, really talented player. I know there will be questions of oh, why is he not breaking through uh, in Celtic or why hasn't he broken through in the Scotland squad. In fairness to Mikey, injuries have plagued his young career at the moment, but there's definitely a talent in there if he can keep himself fit. Yeah, I've listen. I haven't watched him too much. He's he's sporadic when he's playing up for Celtic. So I'm looking at it there. Obviously, in his first season, first two seasons, he played four games in, in the league, which is not a lot. But then he kicked on 14 games, 11 games, 10 games, 12 games. As you said, injuries. It's all about consistency. And be able to get consistent form is going to keep you in the team consistently. And as you said, injuries have hampered him. Um, maybe even, you know, so that means his performance is haven't been consistent and you're not going to get a consistent run in the team so it's all about consistency there he's gone over to Portugal now I see his stats there that he's played I think it's 15 games this year for them scored one I think it's assist three I might be wrong there but he just needs games under his belt has he got you know as you said is there a quality about him is there anything about him yeah you can see it you can see there is quality about him but is he going to stand out in, in the Ireland setup, I don't think so I think he'd be at the level you know and I just hope that he grows into it some players fall into the Ireland squad and it's the making of them and you just hope that this is the same for him Yeah like just looking at the last squad where we've, uh, we were at the, the, the friendlies in the back end of 2022 like some of the attacking midfielders or winners that you could look at as like uh, Callum Robinson Ben A McLean Brady uh, Mark Sykes coming into an now Callum O'Dowda where would you put him in, in into those names? Would you you'd, like, you'd imagine if those those names just made made out there? Lots of Callum Robinson and uh, Ogbené who would be the two that you'd have playing ahead. Possibly uh, Robbie Brady's on decent form this season. Would you have him in, in that starting eleven? Would you uh, uh, ahead of those lads, or is he just on the fringes? Well, uh, Callum Robinson won't be starting. If he's starting, we're we're a little bit in trouble. Callum Robinson's a, a decent player for us, but he's. There's nothing amazing about Callum Robinson. You know, you're looking for the likes of Evan Ferguson going forward to be, and he's probably going to play with two up front. That's the way he's been playing, you know. So you're thinking the likes of Obafemi and, and Ferguson would be kind of the, he won't be playing wingers unless he turns mm. around and changes back to his 4 3 3 or his 4 3 4 2 3 1 or whatever it is that he likes to play. If he doesn't change back to that shape, where's. Where's he going to fit in? He's he's an out and out winger. You need wing backs, and it's generally that you'll have more defensive minded people in those wing backs positions. Even James McLean, he's solid going backwards. If you know what I mean, he'll work hard getting backwards. You can't have someone who is kind of airy fairy about defending playing in, in the wing back position. So, I I don't. I'm not sure where he's going to fit in. 
Yeah, it's it's a bit of a um, square square peg round hole sort of situation for Mikey, isn't it? In, in the current mm-hmm. setter for Ireland, waiting for him, you can see he's like Sammy Smuddocks can sort of play as a number ten. You could see him fitting in a little bit better to, to the current system, but Mikey, unless there's going to be a major shift in formation, which can, as you said, you can't see that happening under Stephen Kenny at this point in time, seems to be set with those two uh, two central strikers. And that's not to be negative about him, Nathan. No, no, not at all. He could no. come in now and he could play in uh, in behind the strikers and, and and be unbelievable for us, you know. Or he could, you know, he could change the the, the shape and, and he could be playing out wide and, and be uh, fantastic, dribbling on the ball, crossing the ball. You know, I've seen him playing kind of in a central role as well for Celtic. So I, I don't take that in away from him that he could do something for us. I just wonder where he's going to fit in there because... You know, there has to be a real work ethic. Hopefully, hopefully he's he gets that consistency of games. And Ireland again is the springboard for his career. That you know, there's some people are probably looking. Players are looking forward to this Irish camp because they're not really getting the game time in or whatever. And it breeds confidence into them. Going into the Ireland squad does breed confidence in players. We've seen it year after year. Some t- players come in; they don't even play for their clubs. Play outstanding for Ireland. So you just hope he's one of those people who fall into that category. Yeah, here's hoping because, well, in fairness, Sammy Smuddocks isn't going to be stuck for confidence. He's been really, really good for, for Blackburn this season. But from Mikey Johnson's point of view, even when he does eventually go back to Celtic, Roy, he's, he's going to find it difficult getting back into that starting 11, isn't he? Like, say, Mieda, Abada and Jota all ahead of him. So this could be the catalyst maybe to push him on. As you said, he's doing okay in, in Portugal, which is a really, really good standard of a league that, that he's in at the moment. But... I'm the same as I'm also in the similar camp where I struggle to see where he fits into the, to the current Ireland setup with the system that we play. As I said, I've seen him enough to know that that's definitely a talent there, but the defensive acumen has a lot to be desired as well. I just don't think he, he'd offer you the defensive game, as, as you said, Lewis McLean or even Matt Doherty on the very hand side would offer you. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see soon because it's only a couple of weeks away from yeah, this game and to two games. And it's, it's something, I mean, you have the the best team probably in Europe. I mean, Italy won the European Championships, but, you know, they, they, they fell apart after that. So, you know, it's probably the best team in Europe is uh, it's going to be something that's going to be, it's going to be a hard game and you can't be really experimenting in this game so it'd be interesting to see if he even gets a look in okay listen we've a quick update on the Sligo Rover stadium plans Nathan what are they yeah nice and quick here Roy uh, this has been uh, confirmed by the club uh, over the weekend uh, it said that Sligo Rovers have received uh, the final grant of planning permission from the Sligo County Council this means that, uh, the club can now progress in the club's master plans for the uh, the showgrounds redevelopment big step forward for them uh, in the long term plans so what's next well, what's going to be is uh, detailed designs are expected to be completed later in 2023 and then they're going to have to do the, the real the difficult task of pursuing uh, funding streams to be able to uh, start construction on the uh, on the entire master plan on the entire project uh, of getting everything together. The hope to have this is now a very very uh, quick probably plan. It's still not in set in stone. The hope to have everything complete by uh, twenty twenty eight, which I know is miles away. But that year was significant because it's their centenary year. So it'd be nice okay. to have everything everything finished to uh, to, to ring in that anniversary. But as I said, not to, to, to be pissing on the parade here, but the funding aspect is going to be huge for this project. Yeah, yeah, it's going absolutely. to make a break, it really. And, like, and as, as it does with every project we talk about, we've talked about Bohemian, Shelbourne, Finn Harps, Pats even. 
And but for the funding aspect from a club like Sligo Rovers, who membership ran, it's completely fan owned. This is the only way they're going to get off the ground. What kind of capacity is logical for Sligo Rovers to have? I think if you'd be looking at the five thousand mark, I think it's the logical thing okay. to, to be really be looking at. What's the capacity go are they looking at for the stadium at the moment? Yeah, I was afraid they're going to ask me that. I couldn't <laughs> think what it's all at the top of my head. We we're only yeah, talking about there it. Now. Yeah, no, finger isn't on the, on the local pulse anymore. Um, because I looked at yeah. the, I looked at the, 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 the images of the ground and they look fantastic. The, you know, even the training ground area beside it and all that. So the the plans are there. They're, they're looking positive. They they feel positive about it. They're they're going about it in a positive way. But as you said, funding is just it's the most crucial part. And for such a small area, what kind of fan base they have is going to probably have to carry them along on this, isn't it? Yeah, definitely is. Um, so found it. A quick little Google. Google's always our friend here. Uh, yeah, so the seventy. There, <laughs> there we go. That I appreciate. It. I was just like, go on, keep going, keep talking. I haven't found you. Uh, yeah, so the seventy million, uh, not seventy million people. So the seventy million euro plan to read about the showgrounds will turn it into a six thousand seat capacity seat stadium. Okay, so, so that's, there you go. Six thousand seats. That's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it, 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 it's it's a loyal core fan base star. Like every club, you're going to get your your your, your nucleus that will be there regardless of whatever happens. I think, I said it before, Slide is in a unique situation where it's um, one of the few counties that's not GAA heavy. It's, it's, it is more of a football county than anything yeah. else. They also, and because of the lack of League of Ireland football in Mayo, they do attract certain fans from uh, certain sections. You're not going to get people like, travelling from Castlebar, like yeah, things, certain sections of Mayo, like the Ballina, Belmullet and stuff, they'd be travelling in uh, from Slide to catch us. So, yeah, I, I think that the, the six thousand CR is is a nice cut-off point without being overly ambitious and having an empty stadium. Great, and I hope we see it fairly soon. Oh no, we won't. Twenty twenty-eight. So yeah, a little bit away, a little bit away. But listen, the plans are there. So as long as they go about it logically, uh, carefully, um, I I'm really looking forward to to getting down there because I have to get down there at some stage and watch a game down there. So maybe I'll get down there before they start bulldozing things down, first of all, and, and I'll, I'll get to see the new one. Uh, Nathan, yeah, five, gonna... five years to book a train ticket. Right, anyway. Five years, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nathan, thanks very much, uh, as always. Uh, thanks for everyone who's listening. L- don't forget, we're on YouTube. Do follow us. And if you're listening on the podcast, do follow us. So click that follow button so you make sure you don't miss out on anything. And of course, don't, just don't be afraid to go and, and spread the word and let your friends know. Any League of Ireland fans, get them to, to plug away for us and, and, and get them out there. The more people we have listening, the more we can do with the show. So thanks very much and we'll talk to you next week. Sir. Sure. Sure.